0: LifeSpring 88 Lima, Sierra, cabin crew prepare for immediate departure Quiet on the set Quiet people! In 3, roll tape, 2, rolling, 1 Hi How's it going? Live from our studio As live as it gets And now your host Thank you (laughs) <laughs> Hello! Hey, how's it going? Way back in the early days of the Life spring Podcast, I used to say thanks for inviting me into your head, and I think that's an appropriate thing to say today, even, oh, let's see, a year and a half later. Thank you for inviting me into your head today. It's good to be here. Ha <laughs> ha! Uh, I could say that there's plenty of room to wander around in here, but uh, no, that wouldn't be a nice thing to say, would it? <laughs> Besides that, who am I to talk? <laughs> oh, it's good to be here. Good to be here. How was your Mother's Day? Boy, we had a whole ton of people over here at the house yesterday. Oh, we must have had 20 or so people. Yes, most mostly Leanne's family. I didn't see my mom yesterday. My mom decided to go over to my sister's house, which is fine. We kind of trade mom off, you know, from one one holiday to the next. That's okay. I called her. Actually, I called four different numbers. I called her home her home phone, I called her cell phone, called my sister's house, called my sister's cell. Nobody answered. <laughs> so I didn't really get to talk to my mom until late in the day when she got home and saw her. Her phone machine had a message on it. That's okay. She had a good day, too. I hope you did. And I hope you gave your mom a big hug if she's still with us. And I hope you told her that you loved her. And I hope you told her thank you for being a good mom. Well, I have a really different kind of show for you today. This is a a real departure today. And actually, this is the first of a two-part series. Yeah. I had the distinct pleasure today of interviewing Rob Morgan. You say, who's Rob Morgan? Rob Morgan, on the cover of his book, it says Robert J. Morgan. He is the author of Then Sings My Soul, volumes one and two, and a whole ton of other books. And uh, he's a, a magazine writer, he speaks at conferences, he speaks at uh, Christian colleges and universities. Um, he's uh, just a prolific, prolific guy. In addition to that, he is the pastor of a large church in Nashville, Tennessee. But being the author of the books that The Life Spring* Hymn Stories is based upon, I thought it would be just a great thing to do to interview him. And so what I'm going to do today is play that interview for you, and then at the end of the interview, I will announce who the second part of the interview next week is going to be with. And uh, I was uh, so completely honored and excited that Rob Morgan agreed to uh, the interview and agreed to letting me use his books, of course, that I was just beside myself. But in reading the book, I read about another person that I thought, oh, man, it would be so great to be able to interview this person. And uh, so I made some calls and, you know, back and forth a couple of times. And I was able to interview this other person today as well. So, oh, boy, it's uh, today has been a, a day of great highs. And great lows. You say, oh, Steve, what?" you told us a little bit about the highs. What about the lows? Well, you know, technology is great, but when it doesn't work, it's really bad. And the interviews were recorded today via Skype and Hot Recorder. Um, And I, I, I record on my notebook because the fan in the notebook is much quieter than the fan in my desktop computer. Fan of the desktop computer sounds just oh, just a little bit less than oh, let's see, a turboprop. It's it's horrible. As a matter of fact, you might even be able to hear it in the background because I forgot to turn it off before I, I started recording. Uh, but uh, say, Levy, I should turn it off. But uh, yeah, well, you could put up with it for once only because I'm not going to be talking a lot here. I'll be getting into the interview in just a second. But anyway, I was um, since I record on the Notebook, um, the, the Notebook has a wireless connection to my internets here in the house. Well, the Notebook wireless kept dropping today. Um, once I started my interview with Rob, uh, it, it dropped twice. And then, um, well, let's see what else happened. Well, oh, so what I had to do is I had to take the notebook upstairs to where the uh, the modem is and actually plug into my cable modem, into the notebook, which meant I had to take my mixer up there, the notebook, and the microphone, and the mic stand, and all the cables, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, it, was, it was not fun. And so we, we finally got that interview done, and then about five minutes later, after I finished Rob's interview, I had the other interview that I'm going to be telling you about. And it seemed to go just fine. It was about a half an hour that I spoke to this person. And then when I hung up and I went to save the file, there was nothing there to save. It was not there. And I just, oh, I was depressed all day long. trying to figure out what in the world happened. I went into the Windows Explorer and looking for it. It was nowhere to be found, nowhere to be found. Well, then I happened to see that when you um, download Hot Recorder, there is a little utility called uh, Hot, uh, Hot Recorder Recovery, and I thought, well, there's nothing there, but I'll go ahead and open the recovery up, and it found the file, and I did, but I didn't find it until about 8:30 tonight, and oh man, so all day long I've been depressed and bummed out and everything else. I, you know, I thought, oh well, you know, God knows, and you know, maybe He'll let me do the interview again, and. Oh, but I felt like such a, uh, just such a moron for losing the file somehow. Although I don't see it was my fault, but whatever. So anyway, I'm just totally depressed. And then when I was finally able to get it recovered tonight, it was, it was wonderful. It was, it was a great, a great relief. I have seldom been happier. So it's been a long, a long day. Uh, For the most part, because of the interviews, it was good. But, oh, man, the bad parts were, were just horrible. But everything is fine now. Everything is fine. So I don't want to bring you it down. It, it's good. It's good. It's good. So without further ado, let us get into the interview with the author of the books, Then Sings My Soul, Rob Morgan. Hi, Steve. Hi, Pastor Morgan. How are you today?
1: I'm fine, thank you. Well, you just call me Rob if I call you Steve.
0: Okay. I'll call you Rob. That's great. I appreciate that. All right. (laughs) First off, let me give you a little bit of an introduction to my listeners. Rob Morgan is the pastor of the 1,200-member Donaldson Fellowship in Nashville, Tennessee, where he served for 25 years. He's a best-selling and gold-medallion-winning writer with well over a million books in print. He's also a staff writer for Turning Points Magazine and has many articles published in other leading Christian magazines. He and his wife, Katrina, have three daughters and three granddaughters, and he's co-owner of Roan Mountain Bed and Breakfast in Roan Mountain, Tennessee. Um, Rob, thank you so much for giving permission, first of all, for me to use the books.
1: Well, you're welcome, Steve.
0: I've had lots and lots of great comments from people. Uh, There's a real, um, I think, um, thirst out there for knowledge about these old hymns.
1: Well, people don't want to lose the heritage of the hymns. It's been, uh, it's taken... um, uh, 2,000 years, and really uh, 3,000, or you could even make a case for 4,000 years for us to collect the heritage of these hymns, going all the way back to the earliest days of the Bible, with that great uh, hymn of uh, uh, Moses and Miriam and in, in the book of Exodus. And so it's too much of a treasure trove for us to lose.
0: Oh, I absolutely agree, and it makes me sad, in and- in my church, uh, as an example, the young people say, "Oh, we don't want to, you know, sing those old things. You know, they're dusty and they're they're tired and they're they're slow. And uh, uh, if if they take the time to actually read the lyrics, uh, there's such a rich uh, just doctrine and history and everything else there."
1: Well, on the other hand, there are a lot of young people that are rediscovering the hymns because uh, more and more musicians are sort of updating uh, the the music a little bit or uh, taking away some of the drudgery from it, putting it in a little bit uh, happier or more upbeat settings. And uh, the words uh, resonate uh, with with young people. I found that uh, a lot of the young people, especially high school and college students, um, are ready to rediscover the hymns. It it depends a lot of times on the uh, way that they're presented. But many of the contemporary artists have recorded some of the old hymns, and yes. some of my young friends think that these are brand-new songs, and they <laughs> love them. Uh, I had a young man that came into my office listening to his iPod, and he said, Here, listen to this great new song. And I listened to it and realized it was uh, the old hymn that goes back uh, uh, about fifteen, sixteen hundred 1,600 years in Christian history of the Father's love begotten. And the the music is a very beautiful and sort of haunting uh, melody uh, called Divina Mysterium that goes back to uh, well it goes back a thousand years. Wow! Uh, and it has an unusual sort of atmospheric to it. It's just a beautiful, beautiful song, and very old and one of the greatest of all of the hymns. But uh, some contemporary artist had recorded it. So my young college friend thought it was a new song, and he was really, you know, he was really into it. <laughs> and so I was able to give him a little bit of uh, uh, history of hymnody there, and and help him to appreciate the depth of some of these old songs. So, uh, well, even last night at our church, we uh, our youth choir sang, and to my surprise, they sang sort of a jazzed up version of uh, "Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee," and it was just beautiful. Oh, and they that's... were really getting into it. So. So I'm, you know, I'm not agreeing uh, with those who say that uh, young people don't uh, love the hymns. I think that it all depends upon, you know, the way that we present them and and the kind of music education and worship style that we use.
0: Sure, that's that's a marvelous story. I know I got saved in a in a very very conservative, very demographically, shall we say, mature church it had become just rote to a lot of the people where they would just stand up you know pick up the hymnal to page you know 375 and and sing the songs and there was no real thought or no real worship there but uh, as you say if it's if the song is presented properly they're they're just marvelous
1: well of course that's what isaac watts said who we think of as the father of hymnody uh, or the father of the english hymn at least but he lived in the 17 hundreds and was uh, a college student himself, he was 19 years old, and was just bored to tears at church because of how dead the singing were. They were singing the uh, Psalms of David. Um, The the Scottish theologians had taken the the Psalter, the 150 installments of the Book of Psalms, and, and translated them with meter and rhyme, and that's what they were singing, but you know, after, after a while, it got sort of, it was a, a matter of drudgery. And Isaac Watts just complained to his dad and said, This is terrible. I can write better stuff than this. I mean, I'm paraphrasing him. Right. And so he began when he was 19 years old, writing these great hymns, which at that time were, um, you know, the contemporary Christian music of its day. Yes. Uh, Alas, and Did My Savior Bleed? And, and all of these great hymns by Isaac Watts. And, mm-hmm. and so the church, uh, I'll have to hand it to the, the, uh, uh, little Church there in uh, Southampton, uh, England, uh, because they they were game for it, and they you know they would include this uh, teenager's uh, new uh, fangled hymns and and with their uh, liturgical singing, uh, and came to like them very much. Of course, now today we look at Watts and we think of his hymns as being very old-fashioned, yes, and sometimes we. Uh, uh, spurn contemporary Christian music when we shouldn't, the same way that some of the people in Watts Day uh, criticized him. They they would call his songs whims <laughs> instead of hymns.
0: Oh, that's interesting. And, uh,
1: so it just tells us that uh, every generation of Christians writes their own music, and I can appreciate that. I just don't want to lose the, the music of the prior generations in the process.
0: Right, I agree. I think it has to do with balance.
1: It does have to do with balance. And one of the things that bothers me a great deal is when churches uh, have an exclusive, sort of narrow approach to worship. Uh, the, the church has always, throughout history, up until now, practiced blended worship. So that in the New Testament, when they, you know, composed the songs, such as we see in the book of First Timothy that Paul quoted, we would assume that they were singing the Old uh, Testament songs as well. But they were adding their their new songs and. Then in, in medieval days, uh, you know, as the music uh, developed and uh, and came out of Europe, and, and then when, uh, uh, particularly when Martin Luther set the German church to singing, mm-hmm. they didn't abandon the music of earlier eras, and then when Isaac Watts started these uh, English hymns, they still sang, you know, some of the German hymns that had come down from Luther, as well as the uh, Psalms of David, mm-hmm. and then Ara Sankey came along, and and uh Fanny Crosby and the gospel music era, but they still sang Isaac Watts' hymns. And when sure. I was growing up in the mountains, uh, you know, we would sing the John W. Peterson stuff that had just come out in the mid-20th century, but we'd still go back and sing the Arisenke stuff. And the Church has always understood that the treasure trove of hymnody that we have, the songs and spiritual messages of these hymns, that it is uh, transgenerational, that it bridges the ages and that it gives to the church a timeless quality of singing the great truths that we have always held dear. Mm-hmm. And so now when I go down the street and I say, well, this church has uh, contemporary worship at one hour and traditional worship at another hour, it makes me wonder what has happened. in our consumer-oriented, me centered generation that makes us think that we can't worship unless we're singing a very narrow slice of songs that happen to to correspond to our own particular very narrow and opinionated musical preferences mm-hmm. and that bothers me a little bit you know i think that uh, this is the first generation that 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 isn't willing to uh, to tap into the great uh hymnody of the ages and and also sing new songs uh, as the bible tells us too we we're uh, sort of Uh, so consumer-oriented that we like things just the way we like them. Mm
0: -hmm. I agree. And as you were talking, I was thinking about the fact that I used to attend many, many years ago, back when Jesus music was was brand new. I used to attend Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, where, you know, the Maranatha music actually started. And of course, the Calvary Chapel's got to be known for the, the worship music. And at the time, I don't think we ever sang any of the old hymns, but now even Calvary Chapel is going back to singing some of the hymns.
1: Well, we, you know, Jesus said uh, in, in Matthew chapter 13 in his parables of the kingdom that a wise man brings out of his storehouse treasures both old and new. Yes. And I think that that sentence gives us a marvelous philosophy for public worship. Amen. And I had a, I had one fellow who read my book, uh, Then Sings My Soul, and wrote to me and said well thank you for talking about these old hymns he said i hate the new christian music (laughs) and i wrote back and i said well i'm glad you like the old hymns but remember that if we ever have a generation that does not write its own music that christianity is dead Uh and the music that the new generation writes is probably not going to sound exactly like what the older people wrote you know when they were young of course so so it, it does take uh uh, a certain maturity to understand that there is richness in things both old and new, and that we need to blend them together now, having said that, that is not endorsing every lyric of every uh contemporary Christian song or for that matter every hymn right. you know we have to be spiritual dis- spiritually discerning and and theologically uh uh wise and, and not every church wants to practice every single music style every single Sunday. I understand that sure, but I do think that we uh We probably need to be a little bit more broader and more appreciative um, of Christian music through all of the ages than than some churches are right now.
0: Yes. So what was it that brought you to the point where you decided that you would write Then Sings My Soul?
1: Well, I had suggested a a, a devotional book based on the hymns to my publisher, Thomas Nelson, some time ago. I'd written a prior book called On This Day, which uh, is a devotional book based on stories that occurred in Christian history. And then I'd written a second devotional book called From This Verse, which uh, uh, was a devotional based upon the impact that various Bible verses have had. So I wanted to follow up with a third volume called With This Hymn. Um, but that idea didn't seem to go anywhere. And then about a year later, uh, Thomas Nelson called me and said, well, we, you know, we really want to pursue this idea, but here's the way that we'd like to do it. So they came up with this brilliant uh, idea, which really has not been... Uh, done before in any kind of significant way of putting the words and the music on the left page Mm -hmm. and then the story behind the hymn on the right hand side of the page Mm -hmm. and uh, so for many years i've been collecting you know the hymn stories and i've been a lover of hymns and and a reader of biography including the biography of many of the hymnists so uh, putting together this volume was a labor of love and then when it sold so well we've sold a almost three-quarter of a million copies of Book One.
0: Mm, that's great. Then they
1: came and said, uh, "said hey, we got to do a second volume. And uh, so we did Then sings My Soul, Book Two. And we would probably do a third volume, except that, um, you know, people don't know as many hymns as they think. And between <laughs> those two volumes, we cover 300 hymns, and most people uh, are not literate in their hymnology. Even church-going Christians don't know many more than 300 hymns after that the titles you know they they don't really recognize the titles and they they don't know the melodies and so i don't know we've kind of run out of material if we're talking about familiar hymns okay uh, after 300 but but at least we've kept these 300 hopefully kind of alive in people's consciousness and and uh, it's been a, a labor of love for me.
0: Well, that's wonderful. So, did did you have to do a lot of research, or did you, or had you pretty much collected the background information as you've been going along?
1: I had I had a great deal of the background information. For example, many of the hymns were written by, say, Charles Wesley, and uh, I'm very intrigued with the Wesleys. I've I've been to uh, England and visited John Wesley's home in London, uh, and City Road Chapel, and and uh, Of course, Isaac Watts was a great pastor uh, in London. John Newton uh, was a pastor in London whose church uh, uh, I visited uh, uh, in the uh, city in the financial district of town. And so a lot of the, uh, in terms of the biography, a lot of that I've done. And then books about the stories behind the hymns have been around as long as the hymns have themselves. I mean, this is not something new that we invented. Uh, There have been books of hymn stories for literally hundreds of years, Uh, And through the years, I'd collected a good many of those. So between the biographies and the the prior books of hymn stories that have been published and everything else, it wasn't very difficult coming up with the material. Uh, It was just, you know, it was the arduous task of uh, crafting um, uh, 300 stories that were, you know, the right length and that that sort of had a devotional feel to them but, but were historically accurate. and. And so, you know, that was just the writer's craft there. But the, the uh, historian's work that I had to do was sort of uh, accumulated over, over many, many years.
0: Okay. Well, how did you choose the songs for your first volume? Because you didn't know that you were going to be doing a volume two, probably. So how did you decide on that first volume which, which songs you were going to put in?
1: Well, there were several criteria. One is that we, we wanted, for the most part, hymns that were relatively well-known. Amazing Grace and How Great Thou Art and and some of those songs. And then we secondly wanted uh, hymns that had great stories behind them. Uh, you know, some of the, there are some marvelous hymns that we love to sing, but they're anonymous, and we don't know who wrote them, and we have no idea the background behind them. And there just really aren't any interesting uh, details or stories uh, that really add to our appreciation of a hymn. And this wasn't just a devotional book in which we said, hey, this is what the hymn says and it's a marvelous message. We we wanted to choose hymns that that had some kind of uh connection now there are some hymns that we included that we we don't know the author uh but you know i, I managed to find interesting stories connected with those hymns that we included in there but those were the two criteria that that we used okay. uh, that the hymn be uh, relatively well known and that it have an interesting story connected with it that would Convey a message to the reader.
0: It has been a real pleasure to read some of these uh, on my show. I've get, like I said earlier, I've gotten so many great comments from people f- from around the world. Just, just so touched by those stories you you included in the book. It's really, really been well received.
1: Well, thank you very much. The newest uh, installment is really a little book called uh, Jesus Loves Me. It's a gift book full of pictures. Uh, I went to uh, the Military Academy at West Point and research this with the archives, and and we had a photographer with us, and it tells the remarkable story of uh, the two uh, old women who who wrote Jesus Loves Me and their connection with uh, the cadets at West Point, and it's called Jesus Loves Me. It's just been published by the J. Countryman Division of Thomas Nelson, and so I'd like to uh, recommend that book as well, if I might.
0: Well, great. We'll even put links to the—I'm sure it's probably available at Amazon. It is. Okay. Yes,
1: Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, the remarkable story behind the world's most famous children's song.
0: So we'll put a link to that uh, on the Show Notes webpage at lifespringpodcast.com. Well, well one, thank you, Steve. One more question before we go, because I know you're a busy guy. What is your favorite hymn? If you had just one hymn that you would be able to hear, what would that be?
1: That's a very hard question, and it changes from week to week, but <laughs> I think probably... Uh, right up near the top, if not at the top, would be um, All Creatures of Our God and King by uh, St. Francis Assisi. Uh This is a song that uh, really is addressed to all of creation. It's a song of exuberant praise. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing Alleluia. And then it addresses the sun and the moon and the stars and the rivers and the animals and the seas and the fish and everything else and beckons all of creation to praise the Lord. And It goes along very nicely with the life of St. Francis because uh, he's you know, the patron saint of of animals. At at least he is well known uh, for having uh, preached to the animals. Now, it may be legendary, and I'm not vouching for the accuracy of the story, (laughs) but the traditions about St. Francis are that he would be traveling through the uh, valleys of Italy and start preaching to the birds, and the birds would come and flock around and listen to him, and he would tell them, to fly through the thin air and praise the Lord with their songs. And he'd be walking along a stream and the fish would gather around and he'd preach to them and tell them to praise the Lord in song. And uh, so, you know, I'm not saying that those stories are true, but it's certainly uh, true that, that Francis, St. Francis wrote a marvelous uh, hymn in Latin exhorting all of creation uh, to praise the Lord. And, and it was based on uh, one of the Psalms that uh, says the same. And so our English translation, All Creatures of Our God and King, is just such a rousing song of praise and adoration. And the last verse is a great Trinitarian doxology. Praise, praise the Father, praise the Son, and praise the Spirit, three in one. Hallelujah! So I just love singing uh, that particular hymn. I don't know if that's my favorite, but it's mighty close
0: to it. <laughs> Okay, well, very, very good. And that's, of course, what it's all about. All these songs are about praising God and, and lifting him up and uh, sharing his good, good news.
1: Well, thank you for the great work you're doing, uh, Steve, and I appreciate very much uh, being able to have this time with you.
0: Well, Rob, thank you very much. God bless you, my brother.
1: Thank you. And we'll talk Bye-bye. to you
0: soon. Bye-bye. Well, again, Rob, I thank you so very much for the use of the books and for the interview, and it was just a wonderful uh, conversation we had today. I thank you so very much, and I hope you enjoyed that interview.
1: Go, 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 go. Daddy!
0: I go, Daddy's the source for domain names. You know, web hosting and some fantastic tools for maximizing your internet presence. Me bucko. Steve Webb has been a customer of GoDaddy for years. He has, and he's not made them walk the plank yet. And here be some good advice to ye. Use one of the Lifespring discount codes when you buy from GoDaddy. For instance, when you buy more than 30 doubloons, ah, dollars for GoDaddy services, enter code LS2 and save $5. For all the codes, sail on by the show notes website at LifespringPodcast.com. Steve will be thanking ye for the support. Now... Before I tell you who the next interview is going to be with, let me tell you that you can find show notes at LifespringPodcast.com. Also, if you would like to buy the books, there are links uh, to Amazon.com at the uh, Hymn Stories show notes pages at Lifespring Podcast. So that would be a wonderful thing if you would go by there and pick up those books. I will also have a link to the other book that Rob talked about, Uh, Jesus Loves Me. And so remember, next week, part two of the hymns interviews. The interview was going to be with a man who has sung in front of over 200 million people in his lifetime. He's uh, actually got a record in the Guinness Book of Records. He's been singing with the Reverend Billy Graham since 1949. His name is George Beverly Shea. Mr. Shea is a delight. You will be um, just really, I believe, enthralled in the conversation that I had with him. And that will be on next week's Lifespring Podcast. So, please remember, you can write to me at steve.lifespring at gmail.com Show notes are at lifespringpodcast.com Remember, I'll have links to Then Sings My Soul Volumes 1 and 2 and also the other book that Rob talked about, Jesus Loves Me. I have links right there at lifespringpodcast.com. Remember, Jesus said, whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You see, it doesn't matter where you're at, and it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your age, your sex, or your station in life. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? LifeSpring is about answering that question. And the question of how and why the answer can and does affect your life today. I'm Steve Webb, and I'm your host. I'll see you next time. God bless you. This has been an In Touch Productions podcast.